Welcome to episode 17 of Developer Melange, the podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Melange brings you regular discussions about everything software development. You can find us online on developermelange.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter via at devmelange, that's dev, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We are very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us on Twitter or leave your comments on our website. We appreciate all your feedback. And now, here are your hosts. My name is Paul Rodzke. I'm a test-infected software developer. My name is Christian Haas. I'm a developer who embraces extreme programming. My name is Peter Kovler. I'm the code cop. Obviously, I am fanatic about clean code. The topic I would like to discuss today is how to distinguish what is a unit test, what is an integration test, or what other kind of tests do we have, and why should we care about this? What benefits do we get if we know if a test is this or that kind? What, can we, what benefits can we draw from it? So you're asking, uh, do we need to know what kind of test it is? Exactly. Do it's, we need to yeah. know? It's like the same question, like, do we need to know what kind of test double it is? Just to understand the question. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's more detailed okay. question. Do we need to know what yeah. kind of test it is? And, and I think, uh, where does this come up usually? It comes up if you're starting doing some kind of developer testing. You're talking about unit testing and what is a unit test and what is not a unit test and you get some, some rules for it and people say if you're touching a database it's obviously not a unit test anymore and stuff like this and, and then you somebody draws to you the test automation pyramid where they say okay you at the basement you want to have many unit tests and there something changes if you go up and at the top you have the tests that you don't really like, so this maybe UI-driven tests, and basically that's it. And then everybody has a feeling, but not really more. And sometimes people, if you come more into testing and have more experience, I have the feeling people start again discussing this topic. So is this now what we have here, a unit test? And if we, if we add some dependency to this existing unit test, is it still a unit test or is it now an integration test because it exercises two classes and stuff like this? And that's the thing that I want to discuss about. Okay, and I've got several thoughts on, on this. First off, just to clarify for all the listeners who are not familiar with it, what is a testing pyramid? As far as I know, it's to be precise, it's called the test automation pyramid. Usually, uh, I'm not sure who brought it up initially. I think it, it comes up in almost every publication about test automation in some way or another. Don't know who, what is the, uh, the originator of it, but I think it's not that important. And the thing is, it's it's a it's drawn as a as a pyramid, and people say at the bottom you want to have. So the pyramid is broad at the basement. And of course, it is very narrow at the tip of the pyramid. And the idea behind sketching it like this is to say, okay, you have a big amount of tests at the bottom. You have a not so high amount of tests 
in the middle and you have way fewer tests at the tip of this pyramid. And what are those tests? That's the important question. And that's the question that is not really defined as I know. So typically people say, okay, you want to have many unit tests. What is this? In this sense, uh, tests that are easy to run, that have no dependencies on other things, that are not brittle, that are typically not using any external dependencies, that are not exercising the database, that is not touching the file system, things that are running in memory and stuff in, on a single machine and so. And uh, the more you go up the pyramid towards the tip, you come to those situations that you would like to have less of those. So, for example, then you start exercising several parts, several components. You are exercising maybe even external systems. You are exercising several processes because you are starting a browser even. And, and at the top, maybe you are really using something that goes through the UI for some part of the test and stuff like this. And, and you see, it, it's getting really fuzzy if you talk about this. And, but I think it's, it's interesting. And for me, I think the thing is that the basic idea of what it says is just you want to have many as much as, as many as possible tests that you have under under your control that don't bring you any problems for uh, while writing them while executing them while maintaining them and at the top as, as uh, the more you go up there you get some tests or forms of exercising and verification and, and, and stuff that typically brings some problems with it because you have external dependencies, you work with state because you are touching a database, because you are going via the browser UI, you are exercise, you are using Selenium, whatever the, the stuff is. And so and I think then the idea what should be on top or what is for my specific problem on um, project on top and what is at the bottom depends also on the maturity of the team depends on the maturity of the tools that you have. So, for example, I've been to a meetup recently in Vienna, the, the Agile Test Automation meetup, and there was one guy talking about, uh, it was not Selenium, it was, hmm, forgot about it, and another competitor in, the, in this area. And, and he's, he proposed not to think about the test automation pyramid, but about the test automation trophy. So, uh, a very a rather complicated uh, form where we have a broad basement and you go a little bit narrow, but on the top you get broader again because he says. <laughs> and I think it's at first I didn't I didn't get a real feeling what I could, should think about it because he said the the UI testing tools that you typically use today are not that brittle anymore and not that bad and not so much depending on the, any changes on the user interface that you basically don't care about, but they can be somehow fuzzy and work and keep working even if you change the user interface. And so it's absolutely feasible to have a, a larger head on top of this, of this mm -hmm. form. And I think uh, that's not helpful. I, of, of course, I can depict it like this, but it, I don't think that is helpful because I think if my user uh, facing automa test automation is really that good that, that it's not so much of a problem anymore for me because the tool is so cool and I have it under control and it is fast and it is reliable and all the things that we typically uh, 
uh, adhere to uh, so the, the aspects that we we attach to to unit tests, then those kind of tests don't have to be at the tip anymore. If it's really that, I, I don't have the experience myself. And so those kind of tests even can move to the bottom or to the lower levels of the test, whatever uh, sphere or the so pyramid. Then what that is you the have. dimension of the height? height. Yeah, and my, I, I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my proposal is how much is the pain that a test costs you, or the cost, call it as you want it. And how much is the value that it gives you? And what's the ratio of those two? And the better the ratio is, the more the test goes down. So the classical unit test that is exercising a single method, for example, that is completely running in memory, data in, data out, nothing, just a pure function, for example. It's super easy to have under your control. You can have it at the bottom. And it gives you value. It is absolutely uh, almost no pain for you to write to maintain and if you go up and if you are getting problems whatever they are being time being brittleness being dependencies though and with relatively low increase of value for those tests those tests will go up in this pyramid and you still want to have few of those tests whatever technique it is Okay, so your 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 criteria is how complex they are. No, complexity even not. Okay, I, I understand your pain. Like how pain, yeah. how long they run. Huh? For it's, example, for it's usually the so I can have like uh, integrated tests using Selenium with uh, some um, headless Chromium. If it's done yeah. in a second, I'm perfectly fine. And, I and run, if it doesn't fail, and I don't, and I have a bit database yeah. under control, and I can run it in parallel. Unit tests and it doesn't matter. Right, because I get the feedback fast. And I think that's the definition I wanted to give from J.B. Uh, Reinsberger. He talks about two kinds of tests. Micro-tests, which run fast, and if they fail, they you know where the problem is. So I, I can definitely see, in this definition, a micro-test that touches the whole system, if it's fast enough, and if the, the error output is, is also good. And all the others are integrated tests that are not fast and do not show you where the problem is. And then, tool has an impact, right? If I have an excellent tool, it will move, it will move stuff down from integrated to micro, maybe. Like if it's less brittle, if it's running fast, then I'm okay with having it in the unit test folder. Yeah. I'm, I'm somehow concerned about talking about a, so using the word microtest on the one hand and saying if a microtest touches the whole stack or stuff. So well, maybe a that's a little bit contradictory. But yeah, to yeah me. but it's a def that's his definition. He's not talking about size. He's talking about like it runs fast and the feedback right. I get is precise. And then it's right. micro in a way, at least from yeah, the time yeah, it, see, it runs. Okay. But, but I think time, the time to run is, is one very important, but just one aspect. Yeah, and the feedback I get. If the yeah. feedback is not specific, exactly. if I have to start yeah. the debugger to understand what's going on yeah, again, exactly. then maybe it's uh, also not that good. Yeah. Right? So maybe that's what I call the value. So if the feedback I get, if, if the value I get out of having this test is, is large enough, then I can, can take into account that it is getting somehow brittle or more problematic oh, but, to the, 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 but on the other hand they usually 
uh, flaky tests and the, the, the problematic uh, system tests, they also have value. They have absolutely. a big value. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because they're reducing a lot of risk. Exactly. And some people say these tests are the only tests with value. And they're only writing system tests because it proves yeah. that the stuff works. Uh -huh. So, I don't know, value is very subjective. Well, in, in our case, for instance, in uh, safety critical context, which I now can bring in, is the classification already um, made by the regulation. Mm -hmm. Because they want the system have system requirements and the corresponding system tests. And the system is the big one box that you draw, and this is what you provide. And all of its external interfaces, user so interface. It's a black box test. Essentially, yeah, out to some external interface, whatever. Then the next level of decomposition, these are your components. These yeah. have their requirements, and these requirements have, have to have their own dedicated component tests. So this is then the next level, and if you would still try to map it with the pyramid, this would then the middle layer. Mm -hmm. At least for us, this mm -hmm. is the case. And again, this is sort of a black box test because it con considers whatever component you have in your decomposition. This is then tested based on these software requirements. Mm -hmm. And these are for us the component tests. And then the next level then would be what we call the unit test, the, the ones where directly we are uh, uh, utilizing the source code. And here, we're not too uh, determined to say, well, it's just one class. This is the one unit. And as soon as it uses a second class, then it's two units or in, no, it's just the unit test based on classes. And if that one class has a certain internal helper class, okay, then this is the whole unit and we're happy with that. So, and this is the, this is our classification in that mm -hmm. case. So we, we don't declare such, such tests now, coming back to the other question as being integration tests. We have our unit tests, we have our component tests, and then we have our system tests mm -hmm. in these three layers. Classic, yeah. I recently saw a talk by Sandro Mancuso um, is I think it's called is TDD uh, does TDD really lead to good design design and there he also talks about what is what he considers a unit and he he really in a very good way explains if you're doing classical TDD by starting with state-based testing you're probably starting with exercising one method in a, in a specific class. And is, if, uh, as the internals get more complicated, you maybe try and maybe start to extract some other class and move some private methods that you, that you came up with to another class. Maybe some, add some other class. But then still, this original class with the collaborators that emerged while, while, uh, while you were working on it, are still the units, and I think that's that's a good idea. And I think it's about the unit of behavior, mm. not the unit of, of unit uh, of work. Yeah, that's the definition. Yeah. Or source yeah. code separation. Yeah, yeah but, so uh, the separation in in artifacts in your programming language is maybe not that important mm. or, or helpful, at least uh, as what is the unit. Well, it's of, a super, super set, right? So it's about public APIs, and if something is internal, so I want to be able to change it. Usually when it's emerging, then I will change it again later. Maybe not. Well, let's again this balance, right? When do you start writing unit tests for that when someone else also uses it, right? That's unusually Maybe, or if point. it's complicated enough by itself that you don't want to when you exercise when it you by the older. Right, when, the you, when you need to add more stuff to that. Yeah. Well, if it's complicated on its own, then it's 
it warrants its own unit test. Yeah. So, but now we're discussing actually what what which kind of test is, right? What's a unit test? And which is a great discussion on its own because this question always comes up in the yeah. first workshop about unit tests. Yeah, exactly. What's a unit? And you're saying basically it doesn't matter, right? Well, <laughs> I just want to discuss what's the value if if we have a better feeling in our project what we think or consider unit testing. I think it's uh, answering that question, but do you want to add something to the previous one? Uh, well, I was, um, I wanted to add that uh, I'm getting more and more skeptical about the p testing pyramid itself as being uh, the one and only guide for determining how many tests or what kind of tests or whatever you want to have. It can be a good start in order to get going in, in one direction and see, suppose you have nothing, then consider the testing Shuhari. pyramid as a as a, as somehow a first reference. Of course. And now, and when you look and search for a, for a testing pyramid on the internet, you get various pictures with three layers, four layers. Then you have some clouds at the top because then exactly. you have this freeform testing and various outbreaks out of this. What I like more is is the concept of the four testing quadrants, which is not um, mm. trying to figure out what the what the amount of these tests is. Rather, how they are solved and what they are focusing on. That's yeah. another another uh, dimension of what kind of tests we have, right? That are included in your question board, basically, because we are not only have unit and integrated and system tests, we also have performance test, acceptance test, and now we are talking about quadrants, right? So we right. we have like uh, UX. Uh, yeah. We have like uh, maybe we would even have tests that verify the architecture. But just for reference, this yeah. this testing these testing quadrants they were initially defined by Brian Marek, Marek yeah. and is also then in the book Agile Testing. It's pretty, pretty well known. Yeah, the, uh, do you have them already? So what's the four testing? Yes, I have. The, the, for those who are not familiar with it, it's a, well, there are four quadrants. They are divided by um, one axis being technology-facing or uh, business-facing exactly. tests, and the other axis is then supporting the team or critiquing the product. And in the first quadrant, which is technology-facing and supporting the team, there you have the unit and the component tests. Mm. And Nobody wants them, only we want them, right? Well, the, the team then itself, right, yeah, so supporting the team. Yeah. And, the, and as such, automated as much as possible, as mm. they are adding or working directly on the code itself, or at least at the interfaces that have a very predictive uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. Then in the second quadrant, going over to the business-facing side, we have the functional tests based on examples, story tests, prototype, simulations. So they are partly automated, partly autom uh, manual, yet still supporting the team. That would be the classic system or acceptance test, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, based on story tests, right? Mm -hmm. Then going over to the side of critiquing the product, uh, which are in the quadrant three, which are manual. Then we have things like exploratory testing, Scenarios, usability, user acceptance testing, and our alpha and beta tests. And then the final quadrant, uh, which is typically handled by tools, still critiquing the product, yet technology-facing, are performance and load testing, security testing, and all these elitist testings. Security, mm. well, safety, mm. maintainability, what have you. Yeah, which is, I, I like it because it shows us that we like not seeing three-quarters of the whole Exactly, so exactly. If, if you have a great so, team and they have like thousands of unit tests and do we have a security test? Nobody has to. Exactly. exactly. Uh, maybe, maybe some performance tests, but that's it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the test pyramid sits in the first uh, uh, I, I don't know. 
A test pyramid could also be on the functional side. Because I see that I can verify some requirements. I do not have to verify all requirements on system level. I could verify some, like uh, my typical example is uh, some uh, shopping checkout. And if I have verified that the overall checkout process works, and I have verified that the failed checkout gives me the error message, I can verify all other failed uh, scenarios. On the, unlike on the validations only. So I, I could have uh, acceptance tests on unit level. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And absolutely. so, so I, maybe the pyramid would also be in, in that area as well. Right? Which is my so I, I, so I see the pyramid basically on this, uh, on the business face, yeah, business facing and technical. Of course, it's, it's on those two, yes, yeah. Right. Which is why I'm, I'm I'm more skeptical about the pyramid and yeah. more happy with the quadrants because they give a way broader view on what yeah. kind of tests you need. And, and therefore, I think it's important to not talk about a testing pyramid. It's a test automation pyramid. So it's it's really talking just yeah, about the, the, the efforts of testing. The team. Yeah. Supporting yeah. team. Because, mm. yeah, because it's all automated. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the reason why I started uh, thinking about these topics recently was because for for one, for the for that project that I'm working on for the last years, I, I tried to depict and measure what is the test pyramid in that exact code nice, base. Nice. And? Because typically you don't see any numbers, and I tried to come up with numbers. And it was really interesting because um, I, I thought it was not that bad what, what we had. And I also distinguished what kind of the tests were about things that the business can relate to, no matter in what language it was written. So I had a few Gherkin, uh, a lot of Gherkin tests. I had a lot of, of um, C-sharp tests. But what tests were about things that business cares about? So even if it's not one-to-one -one readable for a business person, but with a little bit of explanation, I can explain what I am testing here, even if it's written in C-sharp and it's just mm -hmm. exercising a single method. Mm -hmm. And I think that was an important part because we had really a decent amount of more or less low-level tests, and 50% of those were business-facing. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. And everybody, everything above this was business-facing nevertheless. Well, it's like performance tests wouldn't be business-facing. Business, -facing. business yeah, would understand them, but they are not business-facing. Exactly. And, and that was one of the, what you mentioned before. We were very happy about our test automation. And of course, we missed a lot of topics outside of this functional area. So of course, we missed about testing performance, for example, until we really hit the first user with, with a decent amount of, of records and, and we were hit by our not testing the performance. So that's a very typical situation, I think. So again, you asked, does it matter if you make this distinction? And we also had the Shuhari, or I said it while you mm -hmm. were talking, Christian Shuhari. So I think it matters, especially in the beginning, I have to be aware what it is when I'm creating it. I'm not saying I have to change when I could, I just have to be aware when I'm creating it, because it has uh, implications, right? So if I can avoid the database, because for what I at the moment want to test, I don't need it, then I will stop it out. But if I don't know that, I will like always use it because the sample I'm using uh, 
has in memory database. So I'm of course using it and I'm not thinking about that thing, especially for beginners. I would say it's very important to understand the distinction and what it means. But on the other, shuhari, that means the distinction becomes less interesting the longer you do that. And in the end, it's just a test. Right? So don't care. Um, because you've, you know, like, you will pay the price when you add the extra overhead to your test. You know what you're doing, but you also know you need this confidence for this at this moment, and it will still be good. Yes, yeah, so do it. Yeah. So, in terms of evolution, if you have to start with, with well, on the green field, and you have people asking, okay, what, what, what do we declare as being unit tests? Then you can take up the testing pyramid and say, okay, yeah, of course, unit tests, these yeah. small things, and Define whether or not a unit is a, is a construct of a language. I'm not saying it's the only thing we have, but right. it's, it's pretty much the only thing I know that's like a general guidance. And some people say it's wrong and it's broken and it's not valid anymore. Maybe it is so. Probably it's so for, for experienced uh, people or like uh, projects that are around mm. since many years because of Shuhari again, which I should explain maybe in a second. Uh, still, when we start, yeah, we have some guidance. Um, I don't know. Do you know any other well, like I'm, guidance? Um, I'm pretty happy with with finally realizing how it's it's done in the in the safety critical areas where you define the system. This is the borders. These are the system tests. Next yeah. level. Because they, they, uh, yeah, so that means in these areas because they are part of the auditing. Mm -hmm. uh, there is not even the discussion because you have to know in which area you're working at the moment. So you have to know what kind of test you're supposed to create because it's all regulated. Right? Essentially, so, yeah. So it's less confusion. And in a free mm. project, we have more freedom, which is also like more confusion. You know? Yes. But also more options. I would guess some tests are not useful mm. that you have written because Look, you had to write them. No, that they're still useful as the, the, the beauty of it is because it actually helps defining out of the behavior. It's, Curious and, and weird as it sounds, it, the real, this distinction and trying really to, to uh, uphold it helps. Mm. Just of figure course. Out, it gives yeah. you structure. Right. You will structure have a cleaner have. architecture mm. because you have, mm. I love rules, right? So I like it. So, yeah, Shuhari, what is that? <laughs> Shuhari, what is that? So, uh, well, now I should uh, be careful to not uh, tell it. I think it means um, it's three levels of learning. So when you start as the very beginner, uh, you need the, the master or like the teacher to tell you exactly what to do. You need a cookbook, you need a, a guidance, you want a tutorial, and you will just copy what's in the tutorial, right? And that's, that's like beginner style. And we all do that again and again. When you look to some new language, you go on the tutorial. How do I use that? What's idiomatic? That's, that's like a uh, shoe. So I'm, I'm, what are the best practices in the field? How do I work with that? And I have no idea about it, so I'm all the time on Stack Overflow. Okay. Then the next level is I have some competence, and and uh, I can uh, be, I'm not quite sure what's uh, so I can use it. I'm not using the cookbook all the time, and I kind of can deviate from it. So you have realized there is a, there's something more beyond your current limits? Yeah, and then the, the last level is when you don't need these rules, you make the own rules because you have incorporated mm -hmm. them. And then I would say that's people that say solid is not useful or it's, it's evil, don't use it. They're, they're fine. Like they're, uh, when you understand where they are, you can also understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They're saying on my level, 
in my application with my like the NOS did that, right? So it is not useful. With his experience and the project he was working on, it's not helping him anymore. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side, there are like millions of new developers which definitely need to follow Solid because it's about coupling. So you mm -hmm. cannot say Solid is not valid for me. And it's totally the same with the kind of tests I see that. Right? Yeah. Software developers should understand what the unit test is and what it means. And then maybe we have some gray areas that we don't care that much later. Did they explain like the, the levels of learning? Mm -hmm. and, and when you're the master, you don't care. Mm. I think there's also another five-level um, model that's basically following the same idea. I think it's called the Dreyfus model of yeah. knowledge acquisition or stuff like this. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's basically telling the same ideas. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, there's one talk I, th I saw about somebody explaining this, and I really loved it, and I didn't find it. So if you, if you can The Dreyfus model? Or what? Yeah. I don't know about some software guy that explained it in, with respect to software development and stuff, and I really liked it. It was very eye-opening for me. And uh, I've seen it a lot in uh, both Shuhari and Dreyfus model in, in Agile. Yeah. Testing and, and and like agile development. So maybe if you can provide, a yeah, link I think we'll, yeah, we'll like uh, at least link to Wikipedia or something. Um, where you're in in a position where you are close to being at the master level and you're second guessing your confidence in whether or not it's okay to leave the structure once was one set. So being maybe a little bit bold, I I thought. Yes, I have some kind of knowledge about test automation, and I use the freedom in every situation that I come to think about what is the best in that situation, not caring too much about some books, and I've read a lot well, of like, those. And not being limited about the, like, uh, the school uh, idea of what is a unit. Yeah, yeah. so then if someone says, but it's not a unit test, then maybe well, I could... I could respond with okay, but I don't care because. So, but but typically that's not not the thing. I, the I reason think that is exactly the same part because you can answer yeah yeah because yeah, yeah not that's it. not I copied it or found it on Stack Overflow because I have some thought about it and I made it for a certain reason like that. Yeah. I think that's. That's the important part. Yeah. So, the, so, just on a side note, on a, on a related but different topic, uh, when it's about naming tests, for example, I really liked it to, at my beginning to have this three-part model. Uh -huh. Yeah, to start with the test name and what is the situation, what do I expect? Because it really helped me going. It helped me going. But at at the moment, I I just think about what would be the best expression to say what I am testing here. And, and sometimes people say, but in this other class, we have this pattern and we should maintain this pattern and we, we are not consistent anymore. And, and really, I say, I, I don't care. Oh, I don't care. If, if three years ago we wrote it differently, who cares? Maybe <laughs> you've yes. been too long in so ugly code, in, right? But <laughs> it's, it's like you're looking in a code base and you find some older code files where you have your for loops with, for integer i from zero up to the list length, and then you have a, a newer uh, class where it says collection.stream.filter, so no for loops, but rather the new stream API now in Java, um, in C sharp, then the link API. Yes. Oh, sorry, what is it called? Yeah, uh, it's link. Link. 
And then we say, okay, well, we're not writing that this anymore. And then we reach the next level where, where we realize, well, all this cryptic stream API uh, in, this, in the twentieth dot uh, thing is not readable anymore. I'm now doing an explicit for loop again. So it goes full circle again, and then you have in your code base all the various evolutions, evolutionary steps that you could have. be. And, 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 and I think that's really fine. I think that's really fine. So because what would be the alternative? The alternative would be to say. Okay, this is old code, just four loops. And so you're not allowed to use any stream API or link expression because we have to be consistent. And if you start using, want to start using these techniques, you have to change and go over all the code base to remove all the four loops. So that would be the consequence. And I don't want to be, and it's, it's, it would be ridiculous. So if I'm touching this code, I want to leave it as I want to read it now. Mm -hmm. So, and typically we do it on a file by file basis. So, if I'm touch, if I have to change something in a class and this is old, the first thing is I just massage the existing code before doing anything just to adhere to my current thinking of what would be the best expression of the code. That's a perfect topic for another session. Uh, absolutely. How, we how are to deal deviating. With, <laughs> how to deal with uh, legacy code and uh, the yeah. inconsistencies. So I guess we are kind of on the end. So Paul, would you summarize the answer for you now, please? So your question was, do we need to know what is a unit test and what is an integrated test and what is a system and test and maybe what is a performance test and what is a security test? Do we need to know the difference on, a, on, on an individual test? Yeah, and... I would say, as, as you said it, with the Shuhari, the far, the, the more we are... what does it mean for you? But what does it mean okay, for you in your me. situation now? Where, because you're, in my situation, you're coming from a concrete situation, yeah. I guess, from the project yeah. you're working on. So what, what's the answer now for you? The answer for me is it's important to be aware what I'm doing at the moment and what are the impacts. Mm -hmm. If I have a test that is touching the database, I know that I am doing it, I know all the problems, and I can immediately decide if it's worth mm -hmm. all the things that I am introducing with this. Mm -hmm. and, then, and I have all the options to avoid it, and I can think about what is the best option in that particular case. So you're not limited by the test pyramid, but would you go extra step to mark it for other people that wouldn't immediately see it? Like put it to the integrated tests folder or like have a have a tag on it that says this is like system test or something like that? We, yes, we we have it grouped in projects and even namespaces be below the projects. But yes, I think it's it's good to have some idea of where what test is in the Quasi-test pyramid. But that means we need to know what kind of test it is, otherwise we cannot put it on the right place. Sure, sure, yeah. So I, I'm very happy that I have the feeling I know what kind of test it is. And I, it's a very deliberate decision to do it like this or do it and to decide against some other option as mocking out the database, for example, in a specific situation. Okay, so that's the answer to your question, which was never a question. So you want to know what kind of test it is. It's very important to you. Absolutely. It's important. Maybe then the real question was, do I need to stick to the lowest possible test on the test pyramid all the time? 
Thank you. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Leading over to current happenings in Vienna. Do we have anything to announce? With uh, August is the dead, the dead month, right? <laughs> well, not necessarily that month. At least the month where you can plan up for the uh, next conferences. Yeah. And plan yeah, for because the it's September and October. You have been to a management training to <laughs> rephrase it positively. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not aware of anything. But I think it's so not... We can maybe uh, in, 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 when is uh, the Socrates Austria? That's maybe already... The one in Linz, yes. Uh, yeah, coming up uh, soonish, not really. Yeah, but, it's rather uh, early this is year, it? isn't it? No, but it's November, is it not? Really? Is it not? Is it not no, early in, this year? In November we have the Global Day of Code Retreat. Yes, of course. No, in, it's in October. It's in October, okay. In There's October, still okay. some time, uh, but it's... So let's have a link. So, so that's definitely worth... Uh, Starting to plan because we need to go to Linz. So, right, so yeah. Socrates Austria yeah. Software Crafting and Testing Conference in Linz. Will you be there, Peter? Um, that's a very good question. So first, uh, I was um, not uh, careful enough to talk about the potential workshop I could do. Then I was uh, really happy when David told me, "No, there are no slots. It's good." I'm free, but now I got an email, so, so the, the workshop you wanted to do, so tell me more about it, and I have no idea, and, uh, okay, and what kind of workshop would you like to see, basically? That's like I, I can tell you when I'm there. <laughs> so you're doing a workshop there? I will tell you when I'm there. <laughs> uh, when you're there, yeah. but are, you, are you doing something there, or just attending? Which is, I have the ticket for a month now, ticket. so I will okay. be there. Is it? Is it? Uh, I think it's pretty sold out already, right? Close uh, to close, close to, to sold yeah, out. So I think it's the perfect time to mention it because Absolutely. the late date will be sold out. Yeah. Right. So I will be there as well. Cool. So I wanted I to ask because you mentioned a few episodes ago about your mixed feelings about uh, going back to the Socrates conferences. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps next year I will try to get one of these lottery tickets for Germany. For Germany. Mm -hmm. yes. So yeah. I've been absent now for it, almost yeah. three years now, maybe, I guess. Maybe go for the Sokrakan. Grand Canaria? Yeah, on the beach, okay. maybe. It's I'm very far away from Vienna. So apart from that, nothing more immediately happening in autumn? Not that I would know. Well, um, I want to make... Um, no. Mentioned the Agile Tour, it's in September. And the oh, Agile Tour, thank you. Yes. Is, it, is it already uh, like the program complete? Is it like. Uh... Uh, the, no, the call for papers deadline is over. Yeah. I managed to to uh, propose one topic at the last, very, very last second. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I don't know when the program will be out, but should be next week. But so. uh, maybe tell more what is it and how does it work? Uh, it's a one-day conference with, in, with yeah, a little, uh, a rather big um, program committee. So there's, I think, three tracks in parallel oh. uh, from most from the local community, I guess, but also people from abroad are coming from from the greater Vienna region, I say, uh, and it's. It's about agile topics. I think there are three keynotes at the beginning and afternoon, after lunch, and at, in the evening, and then the parallel slots. There is a young talent track, I guess it's called, so people that are doing the first talk, 
they'd get extra support for preparing the talks mm -hmm. and extra feedback. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the first time it's on a Friday, not on a Saturday. So that's exactly. new. That's what I wanted to yeah. ask. So it's, it's more, more work. Uh, it becomes more work and less hobby, yeah. hobby-ish, right? <laughs> I think it's a, it's a bet to get people that say on a Saturday, I won't go to a conference to, to get them to join. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see which Codetreat will be bigger this year, right? Friday or Saturday. Yes, and the Global Day of Codetreat is yeah, the 10th time. It will be on two days. It's not too early, I think, to talk about it. It will be on two days, on Friday and Saturday. In November, 15th and 16th. Exactly. Exactly, thank you. And Here we have facilitators uh, from, uh, uh, guest facilitators from uh, London and uh, from Germany will come if I can secure the funding for both of them. Um, cool. That, that will be... So uh, you're still fi already fixed about uh, the people at uh, the facility? I have two facilitators. They agreed. Cool. And so now we need like uh, the travel expenses. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like completely done because we didn't book anything. So I'm not mentioning any names. But I'm sure it will be great again. Cool. Looking well, it was also great last year, so not again. It's always great. Okay, so I guess we can call this another episode of Developer Melange. <laughs>